Hello and welcome to WGTC Radio, the official podcast of entertainment website We Got This Covered. I'm Jonathan Lack. And I'm Sean Chapman. And we're coming to you live from a new central location. Yes, yes we are. It's been a long time coming. Yes. Uh, Sean and I, the new school year is starting. We decided to finally get out of those shitty fucking CU dorms. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit. That Maybe would be a can. fun podcast topic. We're, we decided to get out of those shitty dorms and get an apartment. So we have a new apartment, and it's actually even closer to campus than my dorm was last year, which is ironic. But anyway, yeah, it's nice, and now we're recording out of this place. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot easier to do the podcast from now on because we don't it have is. to juggle all the stuff and yeah. be busy trying to set up the condo and everything. So. Yes, so it's all good. Now, the thing is, you may hear some new sounds in the place because we're near a street, and you may hear traffic every once in a while. It'll just be nice white noise, though. It makes us sound like we're, you know, live, like we're in New yeah. York or something. It's, yeah, it does sound like we're, like, covering, like, I don't know, some sort of big live event. Yes. It's like New Year's Eve. You can hear the cars <laughs> in the background. Rockin' New Year's Eve with WGTC Radio. Coming to you live. Yes. Anyway, so that's that's what's going on in our lives. Today's episode, we're going to be taking it kind of easy, talking about various things. One of the main topics on today's outline is the Nintendo 3DS XL. It's Nintendo's new handheld console. It's their new variation on the Nintendo 3DS. And I really, you know, I owned the 3DS when it first came out, and I bought the 3DS XL because it looked cool, and we, I'm going to have a review for you of that, and we're going to talk about the new game that came out with it, New Super Mario Bros. 2, although it didn't come with it. They, they could have bundled it in and saved some money, but no. They know Nintendo fans and Mario, it's like crack. They don't need to save you money on that. You'll That's buy weird, it. That's weird, because they, I always feel that it's like it should be just standard Nintendo policy to have every new console come out with the Mario game, like, in the box. Yeah. That's how it, that's how it should be. Yes. Um, but sadly, no. We said, but you know, bought it at the same time, so it's all good. GameStop had a fantastic trade-in deal, so I do want to tell you about that right up front. If you are thinking about getting an XL, GameStop will give you a hundred dollars for your 3DS, and that's an incredible deal because it's going new for 160 right now. Yeah, wow. I, general GameStop policy for used stuff is like we'll give you some like pocket lint and like a few pennies. I know. I don't usually trade in there, but uh, for consoles, sometimes they try to make an effort, and so that's that was nice. Um, anyway, we're going to talk about that, we're going to talk about New Super Mario Bros. 2, and before then we're just going to talk about some random topics, and we're kind of taking it easy this week because next week things get crazy on a couple of fronts. School starts for us, but that, who gives a shit about that? Yeah, I don't give a shit about that. No, I don't either. And um, I should emphasize we're excellent students. Well, we just don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so that's that's going on, but more importantly, uh, Doctor Who is starting soon, so we're going to have all this Doctor Who stuff to talk about when that starts, if BBC ever announces a start date. I bet BBC America is like banging their head against a wall waiting for them to announce so they can start running promos and stuff. Yeah, I, 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 do you know why they're not announcing when the next season starts? They've, it's so crazy because they've already screened the first episode to critics. They've mm-hmm. done the public like press screenings. Um, they're very, they've been very adamant it's starting soon. They've got all BBC is running promos, I guess, nonstop for it. The, the marketing campaign is there. I just don't know, and I think it's one of those cases where Doctor Who is so like omnisciently popular at this point. Mm-hmm. They don't need to. People will tune in when Doctor Who starts. They could they could not announce the date, and it would start, and someone would, you know, be like, Doctor Who's playing. Okay, we're going to yeah. watch Doctor Who. Seriously. So, yeah. Again, it's like crack for British people. And, yeah, and for me. Yes. <laughs> and for me. And for Anglophiles in other parts of the world. So, 
we're going to be talking about that in the next couple weeks and all sorts of other topics. It's it's sort of like the perfect storm is coming in. There's video games coming out. There's movies coming out. Oh, yeah, the TV. video game season's starting up again. It's been really barren for a while. I mean, there have been a few fairly big releases that I haven't looked at, like Sleeping Dogs and Darksiders 2. But, yeah. yeah. I, I thought about getting Sleeping Dogs, um, but it, it sounds really good. Yeah, it, it looks really, really awesome to me. Yeah. If I Both known, those games do. If I'd known it was coming out, I would have put myself in a better position to spend $60, but I just, I didn't, I, I heard about it, but then, like, it wasn't until the reviews came out that it seemed like it was notable. Yeah, well, that game just kind of came out of nowhere, where yeah. it was in development hell for a really, really long time, like, it passed through a number of developers, it passed through a number of different, like, titles, like, I forget, it was, it was going to be a part of another, I think it was, like, Tall Streets of Hong Kong or something, I forget the name of it, it was going to be part of a, another franchise, and then they're like, well, this franchise really sucks, and so yeah. let's just make it its own game. But yeah, that's the thing to do. Yeah, it just yeah. Sleeping Dogs just came out of nowhere and is getting really good reviews. Yep. Same with Darksiders too. So, yep, video game season starting up again. So it looks like we'll have some more stuff to talk about on that front. Yep, and uh, I guess I'll give you guys an update. Last week, you know, Sean and I did our big overview of the Studio Ghibli Festival that's going on in Denver, and it started last weekend. And I've been to all three films that were this week's films, and it's it's a magical experience. I'll tell you. Um, you know, you think you hear the term. You're seeing a Miyazaki movie on a brand new 35mm print, and if you know anything about film, you know how cool that sounds, but it's not until you're sitting in the theater watching that that you really just see how gorgeous it is. The Miyazaki film this weekend was My Neighbor Totoro, which is obviously one of his masterpieces, and just visually it's so powerful. And, you know, I'd only seen the film on DVD, and it looks good on DVD, but you don't really notice how just incredibly detailed the backgrounds are until you see it on 35mm on the big screen. You can see every brush stroke, every line. It's it's just gorgeous. The colors are so vivid. Um, and also, and this is something that I just hadn't thought of before because I'd only seen these films on home video, mm-hmm. they're very obviously composed for big screen presentations. Yeah, I like, definitely got that sense when I was watching them. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely there are scenes with Totoro where how he positions this giant, you know, bear creature in the frame is for maximum visual impact on the big screen, and it's just really gorgeous. And the other two movies this weekend were Whisper of the Heart, which is another one of my favorite movies, and it was so much fun to watch. Uh, showed went to that one with my brother Thomas, well, and Totoro, and he hadn't seen either of them, and it was cool to just see those with someone who'd never seen them before and was getting to see them for the first time this way. Just magical experiences. And then the last one was The Cat Returns, which... Um, I want to talk about that one a little bit more. Okay. Because when we talked about it last time, I had actually only seen half the movie. I fell asleep halfway through and turned it off. <laughs> and I was tr- trying to tell you guys about it without that. And I feel bad now because the second half is where The Cat Returns becomes one of the single weirdest movies I've ever seen. Mm. I like... So, Sean, you're familiar with the film Prometheus. Yes, yes, I, I am very <laughs> familiar with the film Prometheus. We've shouted about it. Yes. And we talked about how the last half of Prometheus, it feels like they're going with a different story every five minutes. Yeah. They just keep on yes. dropping plot lines every, every two that's, seconds. That's basically The Cat Returns, but in an entertaining way. Because the movie doesn't really start coherently, and you're not expecting like a complex story from it. Yeah. But then in the last 45 minutes, I mean, like she's taken to the cat kingdom, uh, Haru, the main character, and she's, she gets turned into a cat. And then she's really freaked out by that for a minute. And it's like, they go full horror for about five minutes, where like one of her best friends like is drowned in this vat of jelly. What? <laughs> This cat, who's her friend, is like drowned. Oh. It's, it's still oh, a grotesque wow. image, yeah. though. And then she's like, she's been turned into a cat, and she's crying, and the music is like really intense, and they're all like kind of laughing, and it's like, and up till then, it was like one of the most lighthearted Studio Ghibli movies. 
I was like, what the fuck just happened? And then they go back to lighthearted because the Baron comes in and they do this dance and suddenly it becomes sort of like this noir espionage thing again where the Baron is like the private eye. And then it becomes an like, action thriller where they have to go through this giant maze to find the exit. So it's like, it's like really labyrinth. Right it's like a labyrinth for a while. Then they have to climb this giant tower and it just becomes an all-out action movie. And then it, it's, it becomes, like, at the end, this really sappy romance where she's helping the prince and this, like, peasant girl connect. And then... <laughs> what? <laughs> it really does sound like you're describing five different movies. I know! Yeah. And it's awesome because the thing is, they're doing each of them really well. Like, whoever the director was clearly understands the language of, like, horror and mystery and action, and it's a really thrilling thing, but it makes no cohesive sense. And so it's like, it's, you have to see this movie at some point in your life. It's so interesting. <laughs> and on the big screen, like, it, it really is a beautifully drawn movie. It's got lots of great artwork and stuff. And the character designs are very different than anything Ghibli had done up to that point. They're very simple and sort of... But, and, and on DVD, I thought it was just poorly drawn. Like, this was a low-budget one. But you can tell on the big screen... And on 35mm, they were drawn for fluid motion, so you could do all these action scenes a little more efficiently, mm-hmm. and it looks really cool. But it's just, it's a very different kind of movie for them. It's like ten different kinds of movies. Yeah, so. like, it just like... And all with cats! I can't emphasize that enough, how much cat-related humor there is in this movie. Are there a lot of weird cat puns? It seems Probably. like that would be hard to get across in translation. Yeah, I, I don't. I think I got some of them just from my limited knowledge of Japanese. But um, I mean, they were definitely simplifying the language. I could tell in the um, subtitles. But yeah, I'm sure there were plenty of cat puns. There's this really weird maybe it's scene. better that you didn't watch it, and, like didn't like understand the Japanese, so you didn't yeah. know the cat puns. <laughs> that might have made you enjoy the movie more. That's probably true. There's this freaky fucking scene that I should show you, Sean, so you can, like, have a heart attack watching it where this cat, like, does this striptease. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I it's didn't not, expect that. It's not exactly a striptease, but it's like, they, it's like this weird magic dance where it's, like, got stuff painted on it and it's, like, moving its body to look like different creatures. And it's, like, got this weird music and it's just, it's grotesque. It's so grotesque. Are you sure you weren't, like, high or something? Like I don't what? know. Are you, did you did you like hallucinate this movie? I doubt that this movie this exists is, now, <laughs> just based on your description. This is the first time I'd eaten popcorn in a movie in a while because they have free popcorn at the Denver Film Center. I'm like, oh, I'll just grab some. And maybe they spiked their popcorn with mushrooms. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they did. I don't know. Yeah. That's I'm a little concerned for you now. Okay. Well, anyway, so the Studio Ghibli Festival is going great. Next weekend is Castle in the Sky and Kiki's Delivery Service, which are two of the best in the whole canon. So I'm really excited. Going to be a good weekend. Sean, what's going on with you? Uh, not much. Over over the last few podcasts, I have been sort of chronicling my adventures through my the games I collected off of the Steam Summer Sale, and this week I began sort of the last one I got, which is an old... I think it came out in 2007 or maybe 2008, this old RPG called The Witcher from CD Projekt. And I, I was, I've always really wanted to play The Witcher, especially after The Witcher 2 came out, because The Witcher 2 it got a lot of good buzz and it's got a lot of good reviews. And so I wanted to play that one because I'm a huge RPG fan. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know, like, on my list of top favorite games, it's, like, was dominated by RPGs. And so I really wanted to play The Witcher 2, and I hadn't really heard about The Witcher when it had come out. So I was like, okay, The Witcher is on sale. I'll, I'll, I'll pick that up. I'll, I'll see what it's like because I want to know the... St- I don't want to play the sequel before you play the original because it's their story-based games. It'd be kind of distracting. And I'm... Part of my personality is I absolutely cannot start something knowing there's, like... 
some like piece of the story presented earlier that I am missing. That's why I've watched every single episode of Doctor Who because I'm just obsessive about that kind. Of, like I can't. It's to the point where I can't even decide to watch Star Trek: The Next Generation if I haven't already watched Star Trek: The Original Series all the way through. Like, That's I had, weird. I had to watch all of Star Trek: The Original Series to be able to watch Star Trek: The Next Generation. Because I just have to do that. Which makes reading comic books nigh impossible for me. Because comic books are like... 800 issues? Yeah, and they're like... And it's just like, it's not only that. It's like, you know, if you're trying to get into Spider-Man, you can't just read Spider-Man. You have to read all the Spider-Man series. You have to read Fantastic Four. It's like, you have to read Daredevil. You have to read Moon Knight. You have to read Punisher. Because Spider-Man's going to be in all of those comic books. So what you're saying is the New 52 was really good for you. Yeah, New 50, that's that's why I I liked New 52 with DC, and I really liked the Ultimate Universe until they fucked it up with Marvel. And so, it's like, that's why why I like those comic books, because I can get into those. And another reason why I like really old comic books is because they don't have all the massive amounts of continuity behind them. But anyways, so that's why I decided to pick up The Witcher instead of just going straight to The Witcher 2. And I have to say, playing The Witcher is kind of a frustrating experience, because... It so clearly has a lot of elements of a really good game, but I just can't get into it. And it's definitely one of those RPGs where it's like you need to put a good 12 hours into it until you can really get into the game. And it's like I just can't bring myself to get that far into the story because nothing particularly interesting has happened yet. And one thing that really pisses me off about The Witcher and that I think just needs to stop fucking happening in video games is do not, never, ever make your main character have fucking amnesia as, as a fucking plot point. That pisses me off so much in video games now, where it's every single fucking RPG you pick up, it's like, oh, okay, yes, he has amnesia. I'm going to have to spend this entire game, he's going to have almost no character whatsoever, and I'm going to spend the entire game trying to find out his mysterious past because he's got fucking amnesia. For no apparent reason whatsoever. It just pisses me off so much because it's just it's like... It's just a cop-out to do exposition. Yeah, it really is. And it just it just feels like that in this game where it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, we're doing the fucking amnesia thing again. It's just... It really, really... It's really frustrating because I want to... Because it's... I'm pretty sure the game's based on a series of, I want to say, German fantasy novels? I'm pretty... It's some European fantasy novel series the, the Witcher series is based on. And so, maybe it's not the game developer's fault. I don't know how closely it follows the books, like if it strictly follows their plot lines or what. But they've got this really, they've got clearly have this really intricate, deep, sort of like fantasy setting with a lot of politics and, and a lot of really interesting characters and a lot of interest, like how the magic works and everything is pretty interesting. But it's just, it's so hard to just get through that, like, first kind of 10 hour grind where you don't really know anything yeah. about what's going on because your character has amnesia. And so every time he comes up to someone, it's like, this guy knows about my past. Now I'm going to have this, like, hour long conversation with him. And he's not really going to tell me anything that I really want to know. It's like, if I was, if I was the Gerald, the main character, if I was actually this guy and I was talking to this person who knew me in the past, I would ask a lot more fucking questions. It's really, it's just like, it's it so takes you out of the experience because you can't role play properly because your character's got amnesia, but it's like he never like really is trying to find out. It's like you, it's like this girl is clearly like your girlfriend from your past life. It's like sit down and have a fucking conversation for like two seconds so you can find out what the fuck is going on instead of just being like, I guess I'm gonna go on a quest now. I'm just gonna go fight some monsters. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean with the amnesia thing. It's just like that's a cop out. And yeah. That's, it's 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 weird because there was a time when it was like that's the bold thing to do in storytelling, and now it's the cliche. Yeah, it's, it's like really one of the it's ultimate. Such, it's such a huge cliche, and it's so. And once they pull the amnesia thing, it, th- th- everything after that is so by the numbers. It's just like it's so predictable where all the fucking amnesia stuff goes. It's just like so frustrating. Yeah. Because I just want. It's like I don't. You, you know, you can create a character. In a role-playing game that I can get into without having with he should he can know his past and I cannot know his past and that's fine. It's like we both don't need to be in this like fish out of water situation in every fucking RPG you play. Yeah, it's so frustrating. But then, then also the combat is really I, I don't want to say it's bad, but it's really uninvolving because it's kind of like almost Diablo esque where it's basically you just. I mean, one interesting thing about the game is that you can play, if you want to, you could play the entire game just with the mouse. I think it would take a really long time, but if you're, you're a gamer with, like, a dis- disability or something like that, and you can't use a keyboard and mouse at the same time, that's pretty cool. But it feels like they kind of, I don't know if they decided to do that after they came up with the combat system or what, but it feels like the combat system's kind of really dumbed down, because you basically left-click to attack on enemies, and so, and then you, it's got this kind of timing thing but it really amounts to you left-click on an enemy, then you wait two seconds and left-click again, then you wait two seconds and left-click again, and that's a combo. And it's like, and that's basically all you can do. But you, you can switch between certain styles, but it's basically like, okay, this enemy's weak against strong style, this enemy is weak against fast style, and so it's like, I'll just use fast style on this person and do a combo. And so it's like, the combat gets really, really tedious, and I don't know, you know, if after, like, 15 hours of gameplay and I've got my character really leveled up, if it gets a lot more interesting... But it's just like, it's so hard to push through that grind. So I think I'm going to try to stick with The Witcher because I've, from everything I've heard, The Witcher 2 is really, really good. So I really want to get into that. But yeah, pushing through this game is kind of rough. But you're never going to rethink your strategy on you have to play things. Yeah, well, it's, well it's, it's like I couldn't, you, I can't not do it. Okay. It's like, you, you, I have to. It's, it's, it's this need. I can't, it's like, I can't just play The Witcher 2. As soon as there's one thing that even hints at something that happened in the first game, I'm like, fuck, I have to just go play the first game right now. Or I will spend about five hours on, like, Wikipedia or, like, The Witcher Wiki and just, like, look through everything about the first game. Yeah. It's like, I just have to do it. It's a compulsion. <laughs> it's, it's a disease. I've got a problem. Yep. I, I, well, you know, CU has free psychological counseling. You can get six sessions. Yeah, fuck Maybe. those people. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. This podcast brought to you by Counseling and Psychological Services at CU Boulder. Fuck those people. <laughs> All right. So that's that's what I've been doing. I've been All right. very frustrated by like and I should say that like a lot of the the voice acting and a lot of, like the a lot of the writing is actually really good in The Witcher and so that's kind of like what's keeping of, like, you going? Yeah, it's like a lot of the characters are it's like I want to find out a lot about some like the other characters in the world because they're very interesting, but it's like that's kind of what's pushing me through it. But yeah, it's kind of hard. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, okay, I, I think that's all the sort of stuffage to talk about Yep. for now. So we're going to transition into a discussion of the Nintendo 3DS XL, our main topic for the show. And I guess we should just start by talking about, you know, the original 3DS and sort of my feelings on that. Have you ever played the 3DS, Sean? Uh, no. I okay. don't think I've, I've but, never actually played it. Did you ever own a DS? 
Yes, I owned I owned the like first generation original model of DS, and I played with it a little bit. But okay. I mostly only used it to play Game Boy Advance games, and I realized my Game Boy Advance SP was way better at that. It was. Yeah, I just never really got into that sort of dual screen style of gameplay. Yeah. So it's like I never really checked out a lot of the really good DS games. That's sort okay. of like a generation of handheld games I never did anything with. Yeah. Well, I definitely think you know maybe we should go back and just talk about this in terms of Nintendo handhelds. It's always been one of my favorite parts of Nintendo. I think they've always had it. It's just it's been a good history from the Game Boy to the Color. And I came in with where, like, I think I, my first handheld purchase was, like, the Game Boy Color right when it came out. So it was, like, that yeah. period where you had all the Game Boy library to play. Yeah. And then the new Color games. Awesome generation. There were just so many fun games. And that by that you mean there's Pokemon to play. There were a like, lot of other ones. Well, but but you ended up, or at least for me, I just, I mean, I know there were tons of really great games, but it's like, yeah. all I fucking played was Pokemon, and I played it a lot. Yeah, no, I, I had others, and, and I loved Pokemon, too. Um, but, I mean, those were great, but there were a lot of good Mario games. The Wario Land series was fucking incredible. Those are, I still play those. Like, they released them on the 3DS Virtual Console, and I have the first Wario Land there. It's so much fun. I love playing it. And, um... No, so then I, you know, got my Game Boy Advance and eventually the SP and stuff. We'll talk about that whole trend. But mm-hmm. the Advance still stands as one of my favorite generations because I have so many Game Boy Advance games and I still play them a lot. And the thing that I've always noticed about the Advance when I look through my collection is the Advance was basically the Super NES emulator system. Yeah, I know. That's what I was about to say. That I basically, the, all the games I played on the Game Boy Advance SP that I really loved were, were Super Nintendo games. But they were such good, like, remakes of those. Yeah. And it was a really, and that's, I think that's a good way to play those. Like, I would rather play those games on the go on a portable handheld than I would on a TV yeah. a lot of the time. Um, so that was fun. And then the DS, I mean, I still have all my DS games, and I don't know, we can look through some of them here. Let's see, I mean, there's, okay, first thing I pulled out was Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Pokemon, yeah. king um, of the hand. I, I still have my Metroid Prime Hunters demo that came with the original DS. I remember that. I was that actually, have you ever played the actual Metroid yeah, Hunters? Like, I, I got it. It's right here. Is it? Is it any good? It's very good. It's oh. a good game. It's, it's a little hard to play because the DS, how you do it is you sort of control... You, you know, you're holding the system, and you have the D-pad is how you move, and then you use your stylus on the touch screen to, um, like, aim, mm-hmm. and then you still sh- you shoot with L. And it's a good control scheme, but it can hurt your hand after a while. Yeah. But it's a really intense game. It's, it's definitely on par, I think, with that Metroid Prime generation. I mean, there were a lot of good Metroid games. Um, so we've got some other Pokemon games here. <laughs> yep. Um... Let's see. It has one of my favorite Dragon Ball Z fighting games, Super Sonic Warriors 2. I played that all the time. It's a fun one. It, it like has a lot of flying, fluid combat. It was just a fun one. Um, the Final Fantasy remakes for the DS were sensational. Uh, 3 and 4. Um, 3 had never been out in the U.S. before then. Yeah, like like Japanese Final Fantasy 3, three not Final right. Fantasy 6. And the Final Fantasy 4, which is American too. And they were both yeah. remade in 3D, um, you know, graphics, and they look, they're beautiful games. Yeah, I play, I play, I have the Final Fantasy 3 one, I never got the Final Fantasy 4 one. 4 definitely took all the kind of mechanics from 3, the remake ones, and, and perfected them, like they moved it to the top screen and did more mechanic, like, fight stuff on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, I mean, the, the sound, the images, it was just really gorgeous, it was, so that was a good system for remakes and stuff like that. The Mario and Luigi RPG series, I have partners in time on that, that was a great game, they, they were really funny, like they managed to give Mario and Luigi these like interesting stories that were actually kind of in depth 
and then they made them really funny. So they and they were good RPGs too. Like they had a really good RPG system. If you've played like the original Paper Mario, it's yeah, kind of like that's that. what I was thinking. Yeah, original Paper um, Mario is awesome. Yep, Yoshi's Island DS is fantastic. It's it's it was originally called Yoshi's Island Two, and I wish they would have kept that because that's what it is. If you've played the original Yoshi's Island for the Super NES, that's sort of like the one of the underrated gems of that period. And the DS one is even better, and it makes fantastic use of the dual screens where you're playing on the top and bottom, so, like, he'll just transition, because the levels are, like, play vertically mm. and stuff. Well, they don't play vertically, but they have vertical components, so you can go top, bottom. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? Super Mario 64 DS, still one of my favorite yeah. remakes, because that's one of my favorite games. Sonic Classic Collection came out, like, two years ago. It's all the original Genesis games. I kind of like having that on the DS. It's just nice to have. It was cheap. And uh, Mario Kart DS, obviously, is probably the best Mario Kart game ever made, just everything the others had and more so that was fun anyway so that's kind of my opinion of the DS library and so I was really excited for the 3DS when it came out and um, I think my, my opinions on the 3DS so far have been because I, I bought it the day it came out for $250 before they slashed the price by 100 bucks like two months later um, fucking bastards and you know my opinion from the beginning was that it was a fantastic console that had poor support yeah, that's and everything. Like I, because I was the 3DS is the only Nintendo handheld console that I haven't bought, and yeah. I, it really was kind of compelled by it. I was thinking about it, but it really there were the only game that I'd be interested in was the Ocarina of Time remake. But I don't really want to play Ocarina of Time like with me. Like yeah. I, I want to if Ocarina of Time, I want to sit down and play. I don't want to yeah. have it on a handheld console. Um, which is one of the things the XL rectifies, which we'll talk about in a little bit, makes it more substantial for just home playing. But anyway, um, yeah, so, I, and, and it's interesting, because the arc of the 3DS, I think, again, when you when it came out, the system itself was just a fantastic piece of hardware. It had a, a generally good design. There were design choices I didn't like, and they've addressed those, and we'll talk about that, but overall, it was sleek looking, it was it was well built, you know, it didn't, never broke for me or had any issues like that, Um it had, they added the circle pad, which I really loved, which was like their version of an analog stick. It's the best portable analog stick I've ever seen. Like, I remember the PSP had... PSPS. Terrible shit. one. Yeah. Yeah, it's but terrible. But the one on the 3DS, and it's the same on the XL, so I can show this to you, Sean. Just really good. It's like, it's got a good feel to it. It's, um, it plays like a real analog stick. It's just that because it's on a portable, it doesn't push down. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it plays like any other analog stick, and that's, that's one of the benefits of the 3DS. And then the 3DS had sensational graphics. I mean, really, really just good for a handheld. Big step forward for Nintendo. It was like, you know, the Wii was a disappointment in some ways because it was like the GameCube 2.0 yeah. graphics. And the 3DS really was like, okay, let's step this up. It had like Wii-level graphics on some games. Just really good graphics engine. And the 3D itself... Sean and I have talked before about 3D in movies and that we don't like it that much. Yeah, or at all. it's not... Yeah, I'm not a particular fan of it. But I think Nintendo found a way to integrate 3D on, on their games that is fantastic. I am a huge fan of 3D gaming because of the 3DS. It like... Every 3DS game is just so enhanced by the use of 3D, and they most of them use it really well. And the ones that don't need it, like Super Street Fighter 4, you would think that's a, you know, that's a side-scrolling yeah. fighting game. They still find ways to integrate it, or you can just turn it off and it plays fine. I think that was one of the other wise choices. You don't have to use the 3D yeah. if you don't want to. And it's all glasses-free. And that's one of our biggest issues with 3D in movies, is the fucking hassle of... Yeah, you having know. the glasses, then also, inevitably, the glasses, like, they tint down the movies. It's like, yeah. it affects how you actually watch right. the movie in a negative way. And the game, you know, 3DS found a way to bypass all of that. 
So it's all glasses free. It's all just as bright as anything else. And this is an effect I've always had trouble explaining to people, but the graphics are better with the 3D on than off because all the games feel, especially the Nintendo first-party ones, feel like they were designed with the 3D specifically in mind. So the character models and everything, if you turn the 3D off, look more pixelated than they do with it on. Like, with it on, it just looks very natural and fluid. There's You really are pulled into the game more. And there's no eye strain or anything. It plays really well that way. Um, sometimes I get a little blur, and I actually suspect that's because I have, you know, astigmatism. I wear glasses and stuff, and I think that's more my eye issues than the gameplay itself because other people say they don't have that but it's pretty occasional and it almost always on the good 3ds games works great for me um so it was a good piece of hardware with almost no games out for it and it took about a year for them to start rolling now i think there's a you know a better library of games but it's still it's not picking up to the degree where you know a year into the ds's lifespan there was just a cavalcade of games for you to play and they still aren't at that point i hope they get there someday But recently, what I've loved about the 3DS is the virtual console system. It's excellent. It's got Game Boy games and NES games and some other stuff, and they're all really cheap. So I buy a lot of games like that, and it's just fun to have those games on the go and re-experience them. And it's a really good virtual console system they've got set up, and sort of how the games emulate on your system. There's like, you can have restore points and all these things. So it's almost like playing a computer emulation where someone's hacked it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I like all that, and that's what sort of kept it going for me. The XL is the new version, came out on Sunday in the U.S., August 19th, and I bought the red edition. And basically the the big draw here is that the XL makes the screens, they're each 90% larger than they were on the original. So Sean's, yeah, so Sean's looking at this now. Yeah. So these screens were half that size. That's yeah, that's pretty small. And I cannot emphasize and they were just they were the original screens were the size of the original DS. Mm-hmm. But I cannot emphasize enough how much the space does for the games. It's uh, people were a little worried because while Nintendo upped the um, you know, size of these screens, they did not up the resolution. And that yeah. sounds like it was a bad idea, but when you actually play it, you can't really tell. You can see the pixels a little more. But on the ones that have, on the games that have good graphics, and most of the 3DS games, at least all the ones I own, have fantastic graphics, they look two or three times better. I mean, I cannot describe how good a game like Mario Kart or Super Mario 3D Land or especially Zelda Ocarina of Time, I put that thing in and I was blown away. And I think the biggest thing I've taken away from the XL so far is that the 3DS always should have had a screen this size. Because the graphics are so good, they demand a screen this size. I mean, Sean, can you tell how good those... I mean, it just looks good. Yeah, it doesn't look particularly blown up to me at all. I'm kind of no. impressed that it doesn't. Yeah, and how I, much larger I, screens are. I'm starting a race on Mario Kart 7 just to show Sean this, and, and sort of so we can talk about it. But the graphics are just really fantastic. And on that screen size... And I, have the, I even have the 3D off, but with the 3D on, it looks great, too. Um... But with that screen size, you can just see the art detail more, the graphics stand out more, and yes, the pixels are a little bit more noticeable, but if your game design is good and your graphics are strong, that won't matter. The pixels are there to build something, and if they're building it well, then blowing it up will make it look better, and that's what the XL, I think, brings to it. And to me, it's just that I think the graphics engine on the 3DS was always so impressive, and the things people have done with it on a game design standpoint have been so good, it should have been released with screens this size. There was no reason to do it with small screens, because, I mean, seriously, I want to, actually, I'm going to, while we're talking, I'm going to put in Zelda now, just so I can show Sean that, because Zelda, I always thought, looked a little, I was like, well, this is a remake, it's modern, you know, it looks okay, but shouldn't it look better than that? And then when I put it in on the XL, I'm like, oh, we just weren't seeing the full graphics. Yeah, I mean, that was always one of the things that kind of frustrated me about the Ocarina of Time remake, is that 
they didn't make it available in any other way. Because I would be really interested in just playing Ocarina of Time with, like, the remade graphics just on, like, my Wii through, like, Virtual Console or something like that. Yeah. Because that's how I want to I play Ocarina of Time. Yeah. So we're starting that. But let's, let's talk about some other design changes they've made that I really like. The main thing is that the original 3DS was all gloss, and they've changed it to matte. And that feels much better. If you play the DS Lite, it's the same material that the DS Lite was made from. And it just feels really good on your hands. It doesn't pick up fingerprints. You can grip it much easier. And the size of the system also makes it just easier to hold. The original 3DS, I got hand cramps playing it. But, Sean, you're watching the opening cutscene to Ocarina of Time. Is that not gorgeous? Yeah, no, it looks really good. And it's, yeah. it's really weird. It's like I'm playing like the song in my head. Yeah. It's like I've played this game so much. Yep. Wait, why is the name of the file Clarence? Um, because when I bought this, one of my favorite musicians, Clarence Clements, had just passed away. So yeah. I did it in... You can, you know, name your character in Zelda anything, and I did it out of respect for Clarence Clemens, the greatest saxophone player who will ever live. So, there's Zelda. Um, that's actually Link. But yeah. we're in Dodongo's Cavern, and I think it's a good level to show off just sort of the design of the art. It looks really good, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, I, so. I, what, what I'm most impressed about is it's just, like, with the, the N64 and, like, PlayStation 1 era games, they had this, like, really, like, jagged look. Yeah. Because it was the first sort of era of 3D, and it just, like... It's really it's really nice looking at Zelda and not having the like super jagged yeah. N sixty four era graphics. Yeah, no, they did a good job with that. And having I mean we're talking mostly about the top screen. The big screen is, you know, the same size as well, and it's great too. I mean, the DS mostly uses the bottom screen for things like inventory and such, but it's nice to have it at that size because you can pick things out so much mm-hmm. easier. It's just that's the main thing I want to emphasize about the XL and why I think it's worth a purchase for fans of Nintendo's handheld consoles is the games feel like this is how they were meant to be played. This is just a better size. And even with that in mind, yes, the system itself has gotten bigger. I mean, it's if you compare it to the original 3DS, it's substantially larger. You can't fit in your pocket as easily because the screens are bigger. Yeah. But even with that in mind, it's pretty lightweight. Hold that. I mean, for a system with that much going yeah, on no. in it, it's a lightweight system. Yeah, the weight's not like an issue no. at all. And it's actually a good substantial weight while you're holding it. It just feels good to be playing it with that weight. Um... Again, it's, it's all matte surface, so it doesn't feel glossy, and it's, it's very easy to grip. Um, the original 3DS had the worst design decision I've ever seen on a handheld, where they put the stylus, which on the DS Lite and the DSi and all those, was on the side on the right, so you could just, while you're playing it, you're p- playing with the buttons, you pull it out, you use it, you put it back in. It was really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, on the original 3DS, they had it to the left of the cartridge slot, and you could not get that with your right hand. So you had to use your left hand, but you're using your left hand to move your characters. And the whole idea behind that is that it was on the right because you can take your hand away from buttons. You can't take your hand away from the control stick. So you could never use the stylus in gameplay on the original 3DS. That was a mistake. They've put it back. They also, the original 3DS stylus was telescoping, so it was like half the size and you had to pull it out when you played it. So it just was a whole fucking hassle. It's back to just the original DS Lite stylus that's nice and substantial to hold. Um, It comes with a 4 gigabyte SD card, which is where you store everything. And uh, that's an upgrade from the 2 gigabyte that came with the original. So it's nice that they actually give you the storage for it. Yeah, that's nice. Like, it would, I don't know how much this, like, sort of, like, memory in the case yeah. of, like, if you're buying, like, a virtual game or whatever. Right. You don't need that much. I mean, I had that 2 gigabyte card, and I'd only filled up about half of it with... And I've, I have, like, 30 games on here, because when mm. you had... When you bought the system originally, if you bought it for the high price, they did this ambassador program where they gave you 20 downloadable games... So I had those plus another, like, ten Game Boy games I bought, and they're all pretty small, and they're well-managed. Um, going back to the screen size, 
one of the things, that, the nicest improvement they've made is the original 3DS, because of differences in processors, if you played an original DS game on it, it basically looked like it had been blown up three or four times. Yeah. And so it was really pixelated. I could not play DS games. Yeah, yeah, especially with like a DS-era game, that, yeah. would, that it, would be really effective. It looked like shit. Well, the 3DS is even bigger, obviously. It's twice as big, and I was worried, well, are they just going to you know, fuck things up with that again? They actually fixed it. I don't know what they did or how they did it, but they made these games look really good. Now, it's not perfect. You can still tell it's been blown up a little, but considering the age of the game, I'm putting in the first DS game of all time, Super Mario 64 DS, and I'm just going to show Sean this. For a game of its age, at that screen size, that looks pretty good to me. Yeah, that looks... (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't look particularly blown up to me at all. No. And so I'm just, you know, uh, we're just playing Super Mario 64, and I know how this game looks. I've played the DS version probably five times all the way through. And so I know what this game looks, and it looks like how I remember it. That's the biggest improvement for the XL. If you were a 3DS owner who was disappointed with how the original 3DS handled your DS library, that's the main reason to get the XL. It fixes that issue, and this is a cool feature, Sean. The original 3DS had this also, but it was too small really to use it. If you still don't like how they look at full screen you can hold down the start button while you start your DS game, and it'll play it smaller in its original resolution. And while on the original 3DS, the screens were too small for that to really make a difference, here, now it looks good. Yeah. So it's still, it doesn't take up the full screen, but now it's in its original resolution. But I don't need to play it that way, because when it's blown up, it doesn't really look blown up. So they fixed that, and it's the same with the uh, Game Boy games, just the way they emulate everything on the system's hardware now uh, is vastly improved. So your DS games, I've gotten a lot of value just these last couple days out of playing some of my favorite DS games on the system and seeing, like, art I never really noticed before, because at that size, it just looks better. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like blowing up a movie to IMAX, I would compare it, where sometimes it can get a little blurry because movie, it might not have been meant to see it that particular size, but the benefits outweigh the costs, because it's just so cool to see a movie like that uh, and play a game like this. So that's really cool. It just, it makes everything you own with the DS library and the 3DS and your virtual console stuff worth more. And that's why I think I really like this system and this redesign. Um, Everything else you sort of know about the system, the the cameras, the front-facing, back-facing, they're all there. They've really changed. There's nothing has been taken away. It's not like where they went to the DSi and got rid of the GBA slot. Yeah. Which was stupid. Yeah. And I don't mind the 3DS not having the GBA slot. We're far enough removed. It doesn't need that. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's two generations later. They don't need to have it. But with the DS, I always thought that was weird because it's still the same generation. Yeah, no, it's, it's a weird feature to take out. Because, I mean, it's like, you know, the DS couldn't play Game Boy Color games. Right. So, yeah, at a, at a certain point, you can't really expect them to be that yeah. backwards compatible. Right. Um, but, no, I really love the XL. I guess that's my review. Again, if you have a game that has sort of poor graphics you will notice it on the bigger screen. But that's the game's fault, not the system's. And the games that have tremendous graphics, and most of them do, look beautiful on this screen. Um, Let's give a quick review to the new um, Super Mario Bros. game that just came out, literally titled New Super Mario Bros. 2. And that title is fucking erroneous as hell. Because it's the third new Super Mario Bros. game. (laughs) I haven't really been keeping up with that with yeah. this new era of Mario games. Like, what? Okay. Why, why, why is it called 2, but it's 3? Okay. Uh, new Super Mario Bros. was the first original Mario game for the DS, and it was a new side-scrolling one, but with 3D graphics. And it was, it was really fun. People loved that game. It's one of Nintendo's best-selling games of all time. So the sequel was for the Wii, and it was called New Super Mario Bros. Wii. And it was uh. the same, same kind of game, but for the Wii. It was, a lot of people actually assumed it was a remake, because they didn't call it 2, but it was 2. It was all new levels, 
all new gameplay. It was all based around co-op and stuff. It was it's still the best one in that series. Um, it's incredibly difficult. Like they went back to like NES level difficulty, and it is fucking hard to beat. Uh, Thomas and I, we were playing that co-op. Took us a long time on some of those levels, especially World Eight. It's just relentless. It actually reminds me of Super Mario Bros. Two, not Doki Doki Panic, like the original Japanese. Oh, the lost levels. Yes. Yeah. That kind of difficulty in some parts, where it's like, fuck you, game, you're just screwing me over, I hate you, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that was the second one. It, you know, this, I think... It's, 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 it's Nintendo's really terrible and frustrating practice of naming all their games after the system that it's yes. on, coming to bite it in its ass. Yes. It's like, so this should have been New Super Mario Bros. 3DS. Yes. Is what it should have been called. Because you would have had the 3 and the DS, yeah. best of both worlds, and then they're releasing the fourth game for the Wii U when that comes out, and I guess they're just calling it New Super Mario Bros. U. <laughs> I would just wonder when that's going... Because they didn't... Because there was no really real way to do it with the GameCube name. No. So it's like, they, they just need to come up with a console name that they can't do it with, just, yeah. to, just so that they're not tempted to do it anymore. Because I know. At a certain point, it's just getting really fucking stupid. I mean, yeah. they've been doing it since, like, the Super Nintendo. With, like, every Super Nintendo game is Super something. Yeah. Then Nintendo 64, everything's 64 something. The Wii, everything is something Wii or Wii something. Yeah. And it's just, the, the title, I, this is not any indication of the quality of the game, but it does baffle me because they have shown before a respect for numbering. Like, when they got to Mario Kart 7, they said, all right, we've, we've had too many <laughs> problems. Yeah. <laughs> I still love that title. I know. Because <laughs> it's like, has there ever been a Mario, did they ever say that no. they have a Mario Kart 2? No. It was like, there's Mario, what, what was the second Mario Kart? 64. Yeah, 64 was the second one. It's like, just, Jesus. I know. But it's just sort of funny to me because they were like, okay, right, we've ran out of ones where we're just naming after the system. Let's just number it and make it clear. <laughs> but they, it was the correct numbering. It was the seventh in the series. They weren't treating like the Game Boy 1 as a spinoff or something. <laughs> so it was actually the seventh. But this is the third, and it's like the Wii one... It was a Wii game. It wasn't like a, a spin-off title. It was a fucking console yeah. game. That was the second one. Why is it not called 3? What the... F- it's not the second game. Dude, I, dude, I don't know. I'm totally with you. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm kind of baffled that they just they decided, fuck it, we're going to call it Mario Kart 7. I still yes. can't believe... Every time I see Mario Kart 7, I think it's a joke. I know. Because it's just so... It would be like if the next Legend of Zelda game was like The Legend of Zelda 15. Yeah. It's like, at a certain point, I felt like Nintendo deliberately wasn't numbering their games, because if they did, people would realize, this is Super Mario 24. How many fucking game, Super Mario games have I bought at this point? I know. And it's like it's like with Call of Duty, where it's like, they're like, shit, we need to start coming up with subtitles, because if we name the next one Call of Duty 9, nobody's going to buy this fucking game anymore. So it's like, it's like okay, now we've got Modern Warfare, then we've got Black Ops... They had World at yeah. War. They just decided let's not use numbers anymore yeah. because once it gets too high, it seems ridiculous. So let's talk about New Super Mario Bros. 3, as we will now call DS. it. Yeah, 3DS. And um, the first thing I want to note is the 3D effect is odd. And, like, it's a side-scrolling game. And I never expected it to use 3D at all, really. But they actually do try to do it. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard to show Sean because you can't really, you know, do it with two people. But, um... Basically, if you turn the 3D on, I don't know if, if I hold it like this, you can see it. They just blur the background out, and then the front yeah, comes I forward. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. And then if you turn it off, it goes back. So, and that's the only 3DS game that's done that. And it's, it's almost kind of weirdly like they're trying to replicate depth of field yeah. in a weird way. I think that's what they're trying to do, because it's a side-scrolling game. What else are you going to do? 
I don't mind. You can again. There's a slider. I just turn it off. Sometimes I play with the 3D on because it's it's kind of an interesting effect, and I think it's the best of both worlds. But it's it's always was meant to be a side-scrolling game. That's what the new Super Mario Bros. series is. So I don't have any problem with there not being a real 3D effect because if you turn the 3D off, the graphics look gorgeous. They're you know really nice. So. Yeah, I was just going to say, what, what is the, why do you have a block on your head that's okay. shooting out coins? I'm really um, confused. It's, it's one of the ways you get coins in this game. There's these special blocks that you can find, and then if you run around with it, you get coins that just shoots out of your head. Oh, I yeah. guess. Oh, I guess in Mario logic, that makes enough sense. <laughs> this is a game where you eat mushrooms and get bigger. Yeah, or it's, you get a raccoon tail and you can fly. Yeah. So, and they did, they did, that's one of the things I want to note, the Tanuki suit makes its triumphant return in New Super Mario Bros. 2. Uh, although it was 3DS. also in yes, it was in it was also in Super Mario 3D Land, but they've been doing some more with the Tanuki suit later, which is or lately, which is cool because that's one of my favorite Mario power ups. Hmm. So anyway, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the new Super Mario Bros. series, basically it's supposed to be like uh, I mean, a little bit of back history. The last side-scrolling Mario game was Super Mario World for the SNES, and then they started with the 3D ones with Super Mario 64 and Sunshine and Galaxy, and New Super Mario Bros. was them saying, well, wait, we haven't done a side-scrolling one in a while. That could be fun. Let's use the DS capabilities and do it with actual 3D graphics, but it'll all be side-scrolling. And it was an interesting idea, and it was really the execution that paid off, because it was just them going back to that style of level design that they're really good at with the side-scrolling. And I, they're nev- they've never been as ambitious of games as, like, Galaxy and Sunshine and 64, where those are, like, really incredible games, because there's, like, so much level design, and there's so many levels and ideas going on, and it's mm-hmm. just, they're really interesting. This is just supposed to be sort of a modest, side-scrolling, fun platformer. And they're really good at that. And again, the Wii one is by far the best. It's great. Two is the weakest one I've played so far of the three. New Super Mario Bros. Strikes yes. Again? Yeah, New Super Mario Bros. 3, the third one, is the weakest one so far because it just it doesn't have as much sort of new stuff going on. All the levels are new, and the level designs, again, very good. They're very addictive to play. It's if you like Mario, you'll like this. That's but, but I think a lot of people have been a little underwhelmed by it because it doesn't add much new. The sort of hook this time is coins, and you've seen ads. Which is a strange, which is a strange hook to me to use in a Mario game. So the whole idea is that there's a constant coin counter in the bottom of your second DS screen, the bottom one, and it's sort of the goal is to collect a million coins over the course of the game. That's a lot of coins. That's a lot of coins, and you can. But every level is sort of specifically designed around where the coins are placed, and then how you can get power-ups that help you get extra ones and stuff. And it's actually, it's really well executed. They don't overplay it as much as the ads have suggested. It's really just, it's sort of a new gameplay mechanic that's in there. And what I like about it is that it takes these sort of old-timey levels and adds a new dynamic to them where, in past times, I didn't ever really care about coins. Yeah, that's like, that's why I thought it was such a weird thing to do, because I've never cared about coins in the Mario game. And I think that's why it was an interesting choice, because now you do, and you run to get them, and it completely changes how you play levels. So I think it's enough to make this game definitely worth playing, and and new enough. Um, It's definitely a good addition to the Mario series. So so it earns the new, even though it's two... Or three, three yeah. resurrection or whatever it is. It, it's kind of funny. I mean, at the time they never thought they would make a sequel. So they're like, New Super Mario Bros. makes sense. But now they're on the third, and there's going to be a fourth. <laughs> it's not new anymore. Just at, at a certain point, they just they, they just keep on shooting themselves in the foot. It's, I know. <laughs> next thing you know, it's going to be Super Mario Brothers twenty seven. Yep. Like, well, it's the twenty seventh one, so that's what we're naming it. We're just doing numbers how, now. How would you even count the Mario series though? Because I don't know. Because it's like, do you start counting like all the spin off games? Because there are. Hundreds. So, yeah, there are literally hundreds at this point of yeah. just like Mario Tennis's, Mario Golf, 
Just like Mario teaches you how to type. I have Mario Party 9 back <laughs> at my house. <laughs> I've got the Mario Party. It's like, I'm surprised they haven't come up with like new Mario Party Wii U yeah. Super Extravaganza Edition or something. <laughs> no, but New Super Mario Bros. 2, I was glad to have it. It's, it's sort of been a fallow period for 3DS games lately, so it was good to have a new one. And, you know, Nintendo at this point, they can do no wrong when it comes to the main Mario platformer titles. They're, they're just, I don't know who it is directing these games. They're fucking geniuses at platforming and level design. And this one, if it's a, a little underwhelming compared to recent games, it's still very, very good. Um, I mean, the best 3DS game so far, and one of the single best games I've ever played, is Super Mario 3D Land. Hmm. And that's sort of like the next iteration in the Mario 64 Sunshine Galaxy line, where, um, you know, it's all you're playing in 3D, it's, it's that kind of level design, and I, I, it's sort of like I'm getting 3D mixed up. It's the 3DS of that kind of stereoscopic yeah. 3D, but also like in three dimensions of gaming. So, this is like 27 dimensions. Yes, at that point. Anyway, but it, it was fantastic. Some of the best level design I've ever seen. So creative, so audacious in parts. Some of the things they would do and throw at you was just crazy. Um, and what was fun about it is that the first eight worlds, like you think it's just an eight-world game because it has this map, eight worlds, and you're like, okay, I get to the end of the eighth and I beat Bowser. And the first eight were kind of easy. And I'm like, well, that's mm-hmm. a little underwhelming. And then eight more open up at the end. And it's a total trick. And the next eight are incredibly difficult and really, really good. And so it was just, it took me a long time to beat. I spent all summer playing that damn game. And it was also this, easily the best use of 3D I've ever played, where you needed the 3D on to play it, because it was all based around depth of field and things like that. And it was a really fun integration of 3D. Like, it proved to me 3D can be a gaming tool, not just a visual component. So that was really neat. Um, and I'm, I get to play on the XL now, too. So anyway, that's the Mario stuff. That's the XL uh, anything else we should talk about with Nintendo handhelds or anything? I don't know. Do you want to just talk about the weird tradition of releasing yes. a kind of bad version and then, like, a year later releasing a really good version of that console? Yep. And that is that Thomas and I, my brother, were talking about this the other day because we've owned most of these. It's literally gone back to the original Game Boy. Yeah, no, it has. Where the original Game Boy was, and this was actually one of their least flawed ones, but the original Game Boy was big and it had the green monochrome thing. Yeah. It was as much as they could do at the time. Mm-hmm. But then later on they did the pocket version, which perfected all of that. It was now black and white, not green. It was small. It was good to hold. You know. I forgot about the fact that it really wasn't black and white. It was green yeah. and white, which is so... Or green and black, which is so yeah. weird looking. <clears throat> I have an original Game Boy, and it's almost unplayable now. It looks so shitty with that. But okay, so they fixed that. That was the second iteration. Then they did the Game Boy... The Game Boy Color had no second iteration because it was short-lived. Yeah, and it was almost kind of... It was weirdly... It's like a... I don't know. The Game Boy Color is kind of weird to me. Yeah. How it fit into like all the different iterations. But the Game Boy Advance. You want to talk about this one? Yeah, the Game okay. Boy Advance is... Not like I don't think the Game Boy Advance is terrible, but it's a weird. It, yeah, it's not a aesthetically pleasing design. No. I don't like how the Game Boy Advance looks, where the screen is in the middle and the buttons are on either side. Yeah, it's almost kind of like you're playing it on like a Super or not on a Nintendo Entertainment System controller. It's yeah. like where it's just kind of it's a little more smoothed out, but that's kind of what it feels like. But then they released the Game Boy Advance SP. Which is my favorite head because I the one thing I don't necessarily like about the DS is that I don't per- just personally I don't like playing sort of like three dimensional games and not like the three DS three D but like you know the Super Mario sixty four type three D I like playing like two D games like old Final Fantasy games or old Mario games for handheld old, yeah for handheld because that's just kind of like that's just kind of it's easier for me that way I yeah. can get into it and it's a lot easier especially if you're on the move to play a game that's in those two dimensions so the Game Boy Advance SP is my favorite handheld system and I still play it sometimes for like Pokemon games or 
or like old Final Fantasy games. I break it out all the time. It's fantastic. Yeah, because it's so, it's just like, it's like this little rectangular box and it opens up and it's got the screen, like the screen folds out and the screen's up top and then it's got like this little rectangle at the bottom that's a controller. And it doesn't look like it would be really ergonomically comfortable, but it really is. Oh, it's, it's a, so great. It's I'm, a really comfortable system, but by far the single greatest improvement and what just like made handheld gaming possible, like I can't even imagine playing anything that doesn't have this, is the backlight on yes. the screen. It's like going back and playing Game Boy Advance normal after playing on the SP, it's like almost impossible. It is. I don't even understand how I played those games back in the day because it's like you'd have to angle yourself just perfectly where you're getting enough light on the screen, but not too much that it like overblows everything and you can't see anything at all on the screen. Well, here's something we should note. The original version of the SP had a front light, and at the time that seemed like the most ingenious thing ever. It looked mm-hmm. awesome. It was it perfected the Game Boy Advance formula. They later went back and redesigned the SP though with an actual backlight with two levels of light. Mm-hmm. And that one is much improved. That's the one I own now. I rebought it, and it's it's it is my favorite handheld. I'll just say that too, uh, along with Sean, um, because especially with that actual backlight, everything looks so gorgeous. It's so well lit. The graphics shine through so well, and it makes your Game Boy and Game Boy Color games look so beautiful with that light behind them. Yeah, it's so, like yeah, Game Boy Color games look so much better with yes. you being actually able to see the graphics. Yeah. It's and then also it's really compact, so yeah. it is something that you can just like fit in your pocket and yeah. pull out whenever you need it. That's what I love about it. And again, it's my favorite also just because the library is so huge. It plays Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance, yeah. and that's thousands of games. Yes. So like I still use it all the time for my whole giant library of those, and it's what I play it on. I, I own my Game Boy Color and my Game Boy just for sort of nostalgia's sake, but I never use them because they don't have a backlight and they're not as comfortable. Yeah. So, SP was awesome. Yeah, the Game Boy Advance SP. I mean, it's so much better than the Game Boy Advance, just like aesthetically, ergonomically, and in just the actual design feature of having that light so you can actually yeah. see things, which is seems so stupid that that was... I don't know like where the technology was at the point, but it, it might have been impossible. It's like, I can't imagine how handheld gaming caught on without that light. Like, I don't... I, I still don't understand how I was able to play those games. Right. Well, anyway, <laughs> the Game Boy Advance, we should note, also started... So it started this whole trend of the second iteration is the best. Yeah. It also started the trend where the third iteration was shit. I don't even... What was the third iteration of the Game Boy Advance? I don't even remember this. The Game Boy Micro. Oh, holy <laughs> shit! I forgot about that! I am ashamed to say I bought a Game Boy Micro. You, I didn't even know anybody bought that. I thought this, it was like... Awful. It was awful. It's I, like... You, do you want, it's like, are you a, do you have, like, no pockets? It's like, where do you just have to, like, is, do you, you would never have any pockets, but you always need to have a Game Boy with you, so it's like, you need something that can comfortably fit in your pants. It's basically, I think that's what the Game Boy Micro is designed for. You can smuggle it into prison through your ass. Yeah, it's like, who, like, who needs a, something that small? It didn't make right. any sense, if, it was already a portable device. If, if you don't know what the Micro is, it was... <laughs> It basically took the original Game Boy Advance design, made it a, like a third the size with this tiny postage stamp screen, and only played advanced games. And I, I don't, I think I was just brainwashed by Nintendo Power at the time because I actually owned that magazine, and I got I, one. And you, I felt awful. you owned Nintendo Power at the point where they were making the Game Boy Micro. Yeah. They're st- are they still like? They're still doing it. It was it's a good magazine. It's just it, at that point. But it's like at this point, why you need to buy a magazine anymore? Well, I mean, this was. I mean, we're we're getting time mixed up. This was back in like 2002. I mean, oh, was it that early? Man, yeah. Fuck. 
Game Boy Micro. Yeah, I mean, I can look up the date, but I know, I know the DS was 2004, so it couldn't have been later than 2004, right? Um, anyway, so Game Boy Micro was a honking piece of shit. Um, September 2005, that does not seem right. When did the DS come out? I don't know. We're, we're looking this shit up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so the Game Boy Micro was, it was 2004, so I owned a DS and I bought the Micro, I am a terrible human yeah, being. I thought the Micro came out later than when you said. What so, the fuck did I do? Yeah, why, like, what's the point? I don't why, know. You, you, so you already owned, what, like, three consoles that could play the Game Boy Advance yeah, at yeah. that point. One of which was absolutely incredible, and then you bought a tiny little shitty version to play the games that you could play on three good consoles at that point? Uh-huh. What is Why? I don't know. I do not know. Did you have to smuggle Game Boy Advance into prison? Like, is maybe that I, what I, Maybe I, like... I don't know. Maybe I took stupid pills that week or something. Oh, well. Anyway. I don't know who you are anymore. It's... I think it was all part of, like, God's plan so we could talk about it on the podcast. I guess. I mean, I got to talk about this. So I'm... What was it? So 2005, I would I wasn't that old then. I was 13. I didn't... You know, I wasn't a huge person then. Um... <laughs> But my point is, you know, that I, I had, I was, I was a, more of a kid, which is the demographic for that, and it was, it, had, it was small, and my hands still did not fit that thing. Like they were so big, I like they were like covering the screen when you played it. It was like so hard to play. It was a piece of shit, honking piece of shit. Did it have? We forgot about the uh, another improvement that the SP had that it had a rechargeable battery instead yeah. of having to take double A's. Did the Game Boy Micro? Do you remember? Yeah, it had that. Okay. So it was, at least there's the, yeah. you didn't have to get like tiny little baby batteries. I had the backlight and everything, and I think one of the reasons I actually got it is because at the time they didn't have the backlit SP out yet, and it had an actual backlight and it had like five levels, so it was visually better than the SP except it was tiny. Dude, so, so it was like really. so it doesn't really, so it's like it's like well it's really bright but I can barely see it. It, it was sort of like the opposite strategy of the XL, where it's like we could make it bigger. No. Smaller, make it smaller. It's like we could make a better version of it. No, let's make a shittier version of it that nobody will want to play, except for stupid Jonathan. Anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was their tradition. So we got the first one, decent but not great, a lot of problems. Second one, perfect, yes. awesome, awesome. And then the third one, what the fuck? <laughs> and I think that's basically what the DS did. Third too. one, scam. Yeah. That's what it is. The Nintendo DS. Um, obviously there's a ton of cool things about what they did. You know, they added the two screens, they sort of redesigned, they have better shoulder buttons, all this kind of stuff. But the original DS had this weird clamshell design where it was, for one, it was a giant fucking thing. Like, this 3DS XL, I think, is still, like, about the size of the original DS. Yeah, but, it like, this, but it has so much more screen space, whereas yeah. like, the original DS had, like, just, like, it just used up all the space that wasn't needed, just, like, kind of, yeah. like, housing the buttons and stuff. It was stuff. just, like, giant mess of plastic. The bottom part of it was really thick. Yeah. And then the top part was, like, it had it was bent down on top, and, like, because of that, yeah, things could, the, dust yeah. could get in really easily. It did not really shut. All these issues. And it only had one backlight level, and it was really dim. Mm-hmm. And then the DS Lite came out. And the DS Lite is the same, it's the same level of quality as the SP. It's just incredible. Um, it, was, it was like an Apple product where it was all white, it was all seamless. They even had a filler cartridge for your GBA slot if you weren't using it, so you could put that in. Um, it was all matte, so it felt really good on your hands and everything. And uh, they moved the, the stylus into a better position on the side. Everything about it was perfect. And the screens were beautiful looking. Like, they improved the graphics. It had five levels of backlight or something like that. Just looked really good. Um, everything was perfect about it. And did you ever own one? 
No, I, okay. I stopped at the Generation 1 DS, yeah. which was, which was like, the Generation 1 DS wasn't terrible, but no. it definitely was poorly designed enough that I just decided basically not to ever buy DS games and just, like, buy some more Game Boy Advance games and just use my SP at that point. And okay. that's where it kind of, like, my yeah. handheld gaming stopped. Okay. Well, the DS Lite was definitely worth the upgrade, and I never bought anything past that for the DS. Because the next one was the DSi. And which I was an Apple product, apparently. <laughs> I know, DSi. Um, now, DSi was not a honking piece of shit like the other ones, and I've never really played one all that much. My, like, cousins have one, so I've looked at it. But it made the kind of baffling decision where they got rid of the GBA slot. And it wasn't like this was the next generation. This was just another redesign. Yeah. But not only... I mean, on one level you can say, well, maybe, you know, it's for kids who don't even know about the GBA. But a lot of DS games used the GBA slot. The Pokemon games all had trading capabilities where you would put your GBA game in and your DS game and there was new things you could unlock. Mm -hmm. So that's gone with the DSi. And Pokemon is marketed towards fucking kids. So yeah, and, and like all like the trading and that kind of stuff is a huge yeah. part of Pokemon, right. especially for when you're a little kid. Yeah, that's where you make your money. Right. <laughs> you like beat up kids in the playground, steal their Pokemon. No, I'm saying for Nintendo, okay. that's where oh, they yeah. make their money. Okay. It's like by getting all the little shits. I'm imagining like five versions of the same games. So I'm imagining all one million Pokemon. I'm imagining this like mafia ring in the playground of people trading Pokemon for money. <laughs> it's like I heard you got an Articuno. <laughs> you got the briefcase? <laughs> anyway, so... I like how you went with Articuno. I just thought of the most obscure fucking Pokemon. I was just thinking Legendary. I was thinking okay. something high class. I gotcha. Anyway, um... So... Uh, yeah. So it was just a weird decision, and I think it, it, it kind of... It didn't, like, ruin some of the stuff the light did... But it definitely made it a little clunkier. It made it a little bigger. It didn't close as well. There were stylus issues. It just was... It wasn't as good. And I guess there was also a fourth iteration that I never got called the DSi XL, where it was like the same idea behind the 3DS XL, where they took the DSi and gave it big screens. Hmm. Um, people liked that one. I never played it, so I can't comment on it. So, you know, I guess the fourth iteration was good, but still had no GBA slot, which just seems baffling again. So... Yeah. Um... So yeah, so it was the same thing where the DS and the DS Lite was good, DSi was bad. And then now we got the same thing where the 3DS, which was actually probably the best like starting point system because the 3DS had not all that many problems in terms of just design. Yeah, it was but just the, the games. But at the XL, I mean, Sean, you can already tell from we've, we've done this podcast how much of an improvement this thing yeah, is. Yeah, no, it's a lot more impressive system. Yeah. So anyway. Um, now we just have to wait for the 3DS, double X, new L, two. Yeah and see what how the honking piece of shit that one will be. I know. I wonder what they're going to do. Like, are they going to remove the 3D? <laughs> just, yeah. They're going to they're gonna take away the 3D and put in the GBA slot instead. <laughs> that would be funny. I would love... I, I do think it would have been cool if for the XL they could have found a way to put the GBA slot in to make the ultimate Nintendo handheld. Like, it could play everything they'd ever released. That would be awesome. Yeah. Be, it would be unfeasible, but... Yeah, it would, it would probably cool. cost a lot of money. Yeah. And it would so. probably be really big and unwieldy. It'd have, yeah. like, five different slots. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. We were talking about the GBA slot and why it was weird to remove it because you needed it. That's actually something I'm thinking about on the Wii U also, is they've removed GameCube functionality. Oh, have they? That makes more no sense, because think of how many Wii games use the GameCube controllers. Yeah, no. It, it's like... Although, I, I should say that it's like... It always... Every time I realize with my Wii that I can play GameCubes on it, GameCube games on it, I feel a little bit surprised just because the GameCube discs... Had those, those like the tiny little shitty yeah. discs. That I have no idea why they did that. No, but <laughs> it's just like, and then every time I'm like, oh man, I kind of want to play Mario Kart Double Dash, but 
Oh wait, holy shit! I can't because I because my GameCube is like basically busted at this point because it's so old that I was like, oh yeah, I can play it on the Wii. Well, that's really like I can just I can just put this little tiny disc in the normal disc slot and it just sort of goes in and every time I feel like this is gonna get stuck in there and my Wii's gotta break now. We play uh, GameCube games in it all the time. It doesn't break. Yeah, but I understand. it's like it it's like weird. the special occasion that I decide to play an old GameCube game. I'm just always just amazed. I'm like, I can't believe this works. This totally should not be working right now. But it was kind of funny because the whole Wii was designed basically as a GameCube redesign, where you have it got everything that GameCube could do. It's got all the same controller slots, memory card ports, all of that. And Graphics quality. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? I don't know why they took it out. But, but no, it would, it's just like with the GameCube disc. It would be like if you had like a normal Game Boy Color and you dropped like a DS chip into the into the port and it just somehow magically played. That's what it feels like to me. You're totally right. Well, anyway, so that's the 3DS XL and our sort of Nintendo retrospective sort of thingy topic. Anything else you want to talk about before we sign off, Sean? Uh, I think we did a good job here covering the long yes. history of portable consoles and the weird re-releases that, and redesigns that Nintendo is wont to do. Yes. So, um, next week we are going to talk about Doctor Who. We're going to finally get this ball rolling. Doctor Who? Yep. The BBC still will not announce the fucking premiere date. We think it's September 1st, so we're going to talk next week, and the week after that will be our review of the premiere and whatever other things are sort of on our minds. So, Next week's just going to be a Doctor Who celebration because, let's face it, whenever we talk about Doctor Who, it's a celebration. Yes. I'm going to bring my toy Sonic screwdriver and Sonic's going to... Sonic. I called you Sonic. Sonic. Uh, Sean's I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of flattered. Okay. Thank, thank you. I am Sonic the Hedgehog.